Pushkin. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count for your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Before we get started, let's talk about Pushkin Plus. Pushkin Plus is a subscription podcast program available on Apple Podcasts. Members will get access to exclusive bonus content, like my weekly bookmarks, where I talk about how I got a book agent and what I'm watching on TV that week. You'll get uninterrupted listening to many of your favorite podcasts, like Revisionist History, Cautionary Tales, and The Happiness Lab. Sign up for Pushkin Plus on the show page in Apple Podcasts or at pushkin.fm. Disha Filial grew up surrounded by women in Jacksonville, Florida, who would eventually aspire her debut collection of short stories, The Secret Lives of Church Ladies. I looked at the women who dressed the part and acted the part, and I was like, I'm supposed to be them, but I don't know how. And also these women who aren't like them, they're having more fun. They're going to hell, but they're having more fun. <laughs> Her collection explores the confusing double standards she experienced growing up in the Black church, where redemption is not readily available for women, and many topics are too taboo to discuss openly. So, I was confused by church. Critics and readers alike loved the revealing stories, and her book went on to win the 2021 Penn Faulkner Award for Fiction. It's also being adapted into a miniseries for HBO Max, which I can't wait to watch. Welcome to Well-Read Black Girl, the literary kickback you didn't even know you needed. I'm your host, Glory Adam. Each week, I sit in conversation with one of my favorite authors, and among other things, we talk about the craft of writing. 
In my conversation with Disha Filial, we talk about both of our complex relationships with the church, how intimate she gets with her characters, and how Black women have shaped her life, both on and off the page. Hey, girl. How's it going? Hello. I'm great. Thank you for having me. I am so happy to have you on the podcast because I have questions on pong questions. I actually read your book like it was like my secret treat. It was like my yes. own little thing <laughs> that I would like curl up in bed and read and then go to my group text message and be like, girl, did you get to this part? Did you read this yet? <laughs> It, it, it. it just it just felt so right, like being in the church and leaning mm-hmm. towards the teachings, but also trying to understand desire and sexuality yes. and just like your yes. blackness and being full. Like you address all these things. It feels like you. And granted, oh. I don't know you know you, but I feel <laughs> like I know you. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, it, it's such an intimate book. And that's really what I wanted it to be, really an intimate look at Black women's interior lives and how we speak, how we speak to each other, how we, you know, talk about ourselves. That is something so special about our work, right? Like when we see mm-hmm. each other, it feels yes. immediate. It's like, oh, I yes. like she understands. Mm-hmm. I would love to start from mm-hmm. the very beginning. How did reading and literature show up in your childhood? So I apparently read early. My mom said I could read when I was three. And she said she read to me a lot, but to her chagrin, I had no recollection of being read to. But I remember reading. I've always been really enamored with language and and words. Early on, you know, I read Judy Bloom, like many of us do, mm-hmm. but I did get into some of James Baldwin's work and even Toni Morrison and Alice Walker in high school. But in elementary school, my next door neighbor, who was my godmother, she had a whole bookshelf, which for me was like having a library at your house, mm-hmm. which blew my mind. And so she had adult novels. So I, I remember I was eight. I read The Happy Hooker. I read Portnoy's Complaint. No, no like, not The Happy Hooker. <laughs> I was reading stuff that I had no business reading. And honestly, you know, a lot of things that I learned about sex was from books. I remember reading Jackie Collins novels in the library, sitting on the floor of the public library in Jacksonville and reading biology books, just trying to figure out this mystery, you know, of sex. But other books like Louise Merriweather's Daddy Was a Number Runner opened up other worlds and just let me know that there is a big world out there. And it made me curious and let me know that I could aspire to go places. I could actually build a life beyond the one that I had. I read Terry McMillan, J. California Cooper, you know, so many Black women authors, because like you said about my book, those were the stories and the voices that spoke to me and my experience. And people who were writing about people that lived like we lived, always had a very rich reading life straight through college and into my early adulthood after college. But I really didn't start writing until my late 20s. But I have always been a reader. You mentioned The Happy Hooker. You mentioned (laughs) J. California Cooper and Terry McMillan. Like You Mm -hmm. had these vast examples of Black womanhood or even just Mm -hmm. girlhood and coming of age. Mm -hmm. How did you come to understand what being a good girl meant and who you were becoming as you were reading all these things? 
I got so much conflicting information <laughs> about it as we, you know, do, yeah. all of us do, um, especially those of us who have a connection with the church. Because on the surface, what it seemed like to me is that there were a lot of rules to be a good girl. Didn't seem to be any rules for boys, right. but it seemed like with girls, there was so much you couldn't do. There was so much risk. There was so much fear. And then there seemed to be a war inside because, of course, we had those natural desires and urges. And so what I learned early on about being a good girl is that you had to hide stuff, mm. <laughs> you know? And then, of course, as kids, we're so self-centered and not realizing we got secrets. Other people have secrets too, you know, and that curiosity kind of extended to the women around me too. And how were they kind of navigating this idea that you were supposed to be chased, that sex was reserved for marriage? I didn't know what to make of the fact that that wasn't observed by the women around me. My mother was a single mother. My grandmother was a single mother and weren't they good? You know, right. they didn't go to church, but they sent me to church. So clearly they were trying to make me good. And that was a lot of pressure. You know, my mother had me when she was 18. She got pregnant when she was 17. So I knew even without her ever saying the words that the expectation was that that not happened to me mm -hmm. and that, you know, it'd be something that it happens to you. You know, there's not this agency. And so it seemed like being a good girl meant being very passive and having a lot of desire and wanting and longing to overcome the appearance of chastity and, and holiness and being untouched. Right. Um, when, you know, what do we want most of all? It was to be touched, you know? Yes. And that touch isn't necessarily always a romantic desire. That right. is just like an embrace of love and, yes. and nourishment, you know? Absolutely. It's really interesting to hear that your grandmother and mother didn't go to church, but they were adamant about sending you yeah. to church. So how would you describe your relationship with the church growing up? Yeah, you know, it was one of those things like we just accept a lot from our parents without question. I think our generation is such that we were to be seen and not heard. And I only asked about that one time. And my grandmother, you know, her response let me know she didn't want to talk about it. But what she said was, when I get myself together, when I get right, I'll go to church. And even as a kid, I was confused because I was like, but I thought church was where you go to, to get right. But in retrospect, I understand now as two single mothers, my mother and my grandmother didn't feel welcome at church. You know, I think they feared judgment. I think they felt shame, but they clearly weren't rejecting the church's position around these things because they sent me and it was like I could be salvaged, you know, mm -hmm. somehow. And so I went to church and I, that's all I'd ever known. And I took everything to heart about being good and heaven and hell. But I was very terrified because I was like, I want to get this right. I looked at the women who dressed the part and acted the part. And I was like, I, I get, I'm supposed to be them, but I don't know how. And also these women who aren't like them, they're having more fun. They're going to hell, but they're having more fun. <laughs> <laughs> I was confused by church. Yeah, I, well, when you read the okay. Bible and you're taking in the messaging, the teaching, yes. it can feel very binary. It's like yes. heaven, hell, black, white. There is nothing mm -hmm. in between. And then you're That's sitting right. there listening to the pastor on the pulpit and you're like, how do I choose? Especially yeah. when you're young and you're just trying to figure it all out. That's right. I have this quote that is one of my favorite of yours that really just embodies what you're doing with your work. 
It says here, the stories are the kinds of things that Black women whisper amongst ourselves. So those are the secrets about how we navigate our full humanity, our full sexuality, our full sexual lives in the face of the church's teachings. What I really appreciated about your book is this idea of exploring what it means to heal from those teachings and accept yourself. Right. I think my healing came before I was writing these stories. It came because I got divorced around the time that my mother and my grandmother died. They both died the same year. And it was the same year that I separated from my first husband. And at that point, I looked at my life and it was, you know, I married a good Christian man. I didn't have babies or even get pregnant before I was married. I did everything right. And yet I wasn't happy. I felt so empty and so lonely and so sad. And so those things in my relationship with the church kind of got all tangled up together. I think inside I had left the church years before I physically left the church. Mm -hmm. And after my mother died, I didn't, you know, consider myself a churchgoer anymore. And so some years later was working on these stories. They were not as personal in terms of the church stuff, there was a lot more mother-daughter stuff in the collection that was more what was happening with me at that moment. Mm. You, you said something that just made me think of this idea of when we're simply existing and not living, you know, when we, mm. we're just like moving through the motions of our life without actually having an appreciation for the joy or experiencing the grief. It's like we're in mm-hmm. default mode. And sometimes mm-hmm. it takes these like, huge milestones, these huge losses for us to hit the reset button and start living again. So it's like the divorce, the loss of your mother, the loss of your grandmother. And it's like you have to reevaluate everything. Everything. More with Disha Filial after the break. As listeners to this show, you probably consider yourself pretty smart. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before NerdWallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet. But you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing 
This is your chance to reignite some old musical passions or pick up an instrument for the first time. Connect with more than 100 of the world's best teachers and musicians. You'll get seven days totally free to try it out. And then it's just $30 a month, less than a single private lesson. I mean, why do we do Broken Record? Not just because we love hearing from great musicians. We do it because we think that there is something beautiful about the appreciation of music. Don't you think we need more of that in our lives these days? That's the mission of Musora, to inspire, educate, and connect musicians. Enjoy unlimited personal support, weekly live streams, student lesson plans. It's like having a personal music teacher, only much, much better. Just go to Musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com, to start a new musical journey today. I'm Gloria Adam, and you're listening to Well-Read Black Girl. Today, I'm joined by Disha Filial, and we're talking about her 2020 debut novel, The Secret Lives of Church Ladies, and the inspiration behind this collection of beautiful stories. I want to turn to the book because I know you leaned a lot on your own experience within the church and especially the elders around you yes. to create <laughs> this wonderful collection of stories. For example, Dear Sister. Yeah. That is just one of my favorite stories in the book. It says, Dear Jackie, I've started this letter about five different times in five different ways. I finally just told myself you're either going to read it or you're not. And it's not going to come down to how I write it. And the way you started off the, this letter, I was like, that's me. Like, I do that all the time. <laughs> I do that all the yes. time. But your writing throughout the book is, again, so sharp. How did you just perfect making it authentic and really true to the characters? I think a lot of it is just from listening, especially you mentioned the elders. And I grew up in a household with my grandmother. You know, my grandmother and my mother raised me and you know that generation, like you you don't speak, you know, you right. don't get in grown folks' business. And so I learned that if I was just quiet, I could stay and I could hear things that maybe I wasn't supposed to hear, things that really kind of stuck with me. And I think that Black women's voices, especially Black women of a certain age, it's like music, you know? There's just a way that we say things that's just singular. Um, so some of it has just been all of those years of listening. And when it came time to to write the book, I was going back in time and really being in the room with these characters. And sometimes I would speak the dialogue, whether it was actual dialogue or their interior monologues, you know, speaking out loud and just hearing, how would she say that, you know, or what might that actually be like? And some of these experiences are experiences that lots of us have had and, you know, just trying to inhabit the characters in that moment. Or if I'm stuck, I'll ask my characters questions. And a lot of times in interviewing the characters, you know, 80% of what I find out may not show up in the story, but I know them better. And so that helps me with sort of the details and specificity of how they might do or say a, a certain thing. You know, I try to go for those details that are very specific and, and very tender because it makes it real. I'm very visual. Mm -hmm. So I visualize the scenes. And even if it's just my character cooking something, I'm watching 
her hands? And then what is she thinking about? You know, what am I thinking about when I'm standing over the stove? I get intimate with the characters and that helps you as a reader to get intimate with them on the page. I'm so impressed with your tenacity. You've been writing over like 20 years, right? Over mm-hmm. Yeah, over 20 years. And it feels or it appears to me that you just have a great sense of self-discipline and patience. Patience with, you know, actually writing these stories and putting them together in a way that you feel fit, but also patience with yourself and your surroundings. Can mm-hmm. you talk about your writing journey and your relationship with patience as a writer? I don't know that I would think of it as patience. I consider myself a pretty impatient person, but what happens that I think a, a lot of women can relate to if, if they are mothers is there's a surrender that kind of happens. Because see, patience sounds voluntary. <laughs> <laughs> surrender is like, I gave up, you know, these are the cards that I have been dealt. This is the time that I have to write. These are the realities of trying to raise children, trying to be married, you know, trying to balance all of those things and the legacy that I think too many of us as Black women have inherited is one of servitude and long suffering. And so the journey has been what it's been because I wasn't able to do the one thing that I really wanted to do, which was rewrite fiction. When I got divorced, I needed to make a living. And so I started doing what a lot of us do as writers, this patchwork quilt of income. And so it became less about these stories I wanted to tell and more about what do I need to do to make money? You know, I need to build a profile. I need to build, you know, the word they use now, platform and all of those things. And it was very slow going. I think about so many writers that when they're able to do it, it's because somebody else is paying the bills, right? It is so hard to do the kind of writing that you want to do, that you can be proud of and make a living. So we have to do other things, you know? So I've freelanced, I have um, written marketing brochures for people. I've done project management. I've just done all kinds of things while raising my kids and would always try to have some time for the fiction, you know, try Mm -hmm. to squeeze it in. It took me a really long time, but the desire was always there. The confidence was there. Confidence came from my mother and my grandmother passing away um, too soon. My mother was 52 um, and neither of them had done the things that they wanted to do. I don't even know what they wanted to do. Um, When my mother would talk about her life, she would say that I was her greatest accomplishment. And I appreciate how my mother loved me and sacrificed for me, but I wish she had had her own goals and her own dreams and passions and had had the opportunity to pursue them. And so that's why, you know, I've been dogged because I'm like, she didn't get that chance. My grandmother didn't get that chance. I have this chance. It might take me longer, but I'm going to do it and I'm not going to play small. I don't have that luxury. I appreciate that last tidbit because we all (laughs) need these different ways to support ourselves, to support our children, to like actually move towards our dreams. And we can't be, as you said, we can't play small. Like We have to surrender to the reality of our lives, but move towards the goal with precision and just like a passion. I 
I've had some complicated things happen in my past and I definitely have that. Like, how did you do it? And I agree with Mm -hmm. you. It's like, uh, I don't know if you have a choice. We don't have time to waste. Right. It's like you have to respond. (laughs) When you've lost or when you've had difficult things, you, you know, it changes you. It changes your perspective. It changes your sense of urgency. So I'm not saying that I don't have worries or concerns, but at a certain point, we have to put things into perspective. Mm -hmm. And as Black women, we're doing it against the tide of a culture that wants nothing more than for us to not prioritize ourselves, to continue worrying about things that in the larger scheme of things don't really matter, but that are a nice distraction. But I think we just have to be daring like that and create our own things. I mean, you know, you created Well-Read Black Girl. You centered us. And what does that say to other Black women? I can center myself in the things that I'm passionate about, too. As listeners to this show, you probably consider yourself pretty smart. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before NerdWallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet. But you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation, with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. This is your chance to reignite some old musical passions or pick up an instrument for the first time. Connect with more than 100 of the world's best teachers and musicians. You'll get seven days totally free to try it out. And then it's just $30 a month, less than a single private lesson. I mean, why do we do Broken Record? Not just because we love hearing from great musicians. We do it because we think that there is something beautiful about the appreciation of music. Don't you think we need more of that in our lives these days? That's the mission of Musora, to inspire, educate, and connect musicians. Enjoy unlimited personal support, weekly live streams, student lesson plans. It's like having a personal music teacher only much, much better. Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com to start a new musical journey today. It's time for Rapid Fire. 
Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. So literally the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay, name three items on your desk. David Dennis's book, The Movement Made Us. Some vitamin D oil and a lighter to light a candle. Your life's theme song. Oh, goodness. You know, maybe Ooh Child by The Five Stair Steps. Because as a kid, as a little kid, I love that song. And it was saying that, you know, things are going to get easier. Things are going to get brighter. It was just a really oh. optimistic song. That is a good song. Yeah. Um, ooh, favorite church snacks? Butterscotch. Okay. Most memorable church lady? Oh, my gosh. She was my first husband's maternal grandmother, Odessa Mae Thomas. Favorite book of all time and why? Of all time. Oh, my gosh. Daddy was a number runner. Louise Merriweather. Classic. Read that book till the covers and pages fell out. I have owned several copies. Okay, this is the last one, and it's a film one. Which movie, The Fighting Temptations or Kingdom Come? Kingdom Come. That's the one with LL, right? Mm-hmm. Because even though he has disappointed me later in life. <laughs> Not the disappointment. Listen, the summer I was 15, I played I Need Love over and over again in my room because I knew he was singing to me. So I will always love Cool James. Oh, I love that. Thank you for this conversation, but also just thank you for all you do for us. Thank you. That that means a lot. Like, it's always so wonderful to come out and, like, actually talk to folks and be yes. in, like, you know, communion and community. It just feels really good. Now I love doing this because I can actually, like, see people again. You know, the yes. pandemic has changed so much and it's made me feel distant. Oh, we are going through it. Yeah. We, oh, yeah. we are still we really going are. through it. And we're still showing up for each other and making art and celebrating art it's because these are the things that we can still do safely you know we can read we can write we can talk to each other right right we can't hold each other right now but we can hold each other in our hearts you know what i mean and like just appreciate our work together and still celebrate each other so i'm grateful for that as black women we really do not have time to play small to dim our light to not go after the things we want in life Disha Filial's own hardships were a reminder for her to move forward and go after her dream of writing fiction. And now, Disha's work helps us look at the walking contradictions in our own lives and even teaches us how to learn from our mothers and grandmothers to be better versions of ourselves. Her work reminds me of the prolific writer Margaret Walker, where in her 1989 poem, Lineage, she calls upon her grandmothers. My grandmothers are full of memories, smelling of soap and onions and wet clay, with veins rolling roughly over quick hands. They have many clean words to say. My grandmothers were strong. Why am I not as they? Be sure to read Disha Filial's The Secret Lives of Church Ladies, out now. We're off next week, so look out for our next episode on Tuesday, March 22nd. I will be speaking with Britt Bennett about her latest book, The Vanishing Half. 
Well-Read Black Girl is a production of Pushkin Industries. It is written and hosted by me, Lori Edom, and produced by Cher Vincent and Brittany Brown. Our associate editor is Keisha Williams. Our engineer is Amanda K. Wang. And our showrunner is Sasha Mathias. Our executive producers are Mia Lobel and Lee Tall Molad. At Pushkin, thanks to Heather Fain, Carly Migliori, Jason Gambrell, Julia Barton, Jen Guerra, John Schnars, and Jacob Weisberg. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at WellReadBlackGirl. You can find Pushkin on all social media platforms at Pushkin Pods. And you can sign up for our newsletter at pushkin.fm. If you love this show and others from Pushkin Industries, consider subscribing to Pushkin Plus. Pushkin Plus is a podcast subscription that offers bonus content and uninterrupted listening for $4.99 a month. Look for Pushkin Plus on Apple Podcast subscriptions. And if you're already a subscriber, make sure to check out my exclusive bookmark series on Pushkin Plus starting on February 18th. You'll hear extended interviews with book club members, bookstore owners, and more. And you get to hear what's on my mind, what's on my radar, and of course, what's on my reading list each week. To find more Pushkin podcasts, listen on iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored among some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at Let'sMakeAPlan.org.